Well, we are, uh, we started Advent uh, a week early. We started last week because New City does things like that. Um, we, we started early, so we are in our second week of Advent this morning, and um, we're looking at Matthew chapter 1 and the coming of Jesus, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I'm sharing that with you now just in case you want to uh, turn there. But I know a lot of you may have grown up as I did in traditions that don't necessarily uh, follow the Advent calendar, and so Advent is really a season of preparation uh, for Christmas. The word Advent uh, really means um, the arrival or the coming of someone or something uh, special. And for us, that's Christmas and the arrival of Christ that we are, we are celebrating. We're reminded in this season of really the, the longing of God's people um, for the promised one. And there was a great longing for the one who had been promised. And Christmas is, is the celebration of his coming. So last week, we looked at the genealogy of, of Jesus, uh, and we saw in the genealogy of Jesus many of the Old Testament prophecies about this promised one um, coming true. We see in that genealogy the, the faithfulness of God, uh, even showing us um, through the genealogy that even during these dark and desperate days when things in life seem absolutely impossible and there are a, a million questions about whether, whether God still sees his people, we see that indeed God does see his people. That God is faithful and true, and He is faithful to every promise that He has ever made. And because of that, even now, today, um, we can hope in Him. And when I say hope, I, I, I mean a, a confident expectation. We can have a confidence in God because our God is great, because He is faithful and true. So this week, we are talking about love, God's love for us. And really, the, the big idea this morning is that Christmas proves God's great love for you. Christmas proves God's great love for you. So I want to start with reading from Matthew chapter 1, uh, and we'll, we'll see here the birth of the promised one. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So last week we talked about the lineage of Jesus and the promise of his birth, and this week we, we turn the page and, and talk about his actual coming. And, and there are a couple of things from those verses that I just want to quickly point out to you uh, that, are, that are 
pretty huge things. First of all, he shall be called Emmanuel. He shall be called Emmanuel. The angel of the Lord um, came to assure Joseph that this child was special, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And in keeping with the prophecies of, of the Old Testament, um, the angel of the Lord said, He shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this was not the birth of a future, simply a future prophet, right? There are a lot of people today who will say, yes, Jesus was a good man. He was a good prophet. He was a prophet. This is not simply the birth of a future prophet. It's not, not simply uh, the birth of a baby who would grow up and become a good man and, and, and simply serve as an example for us. This was the birth of Emmanuel, God with us. And that is huge. God himself with us. This is the coming of God to his people. This is the, the coming of the second person in, in the Trinity of God, our triune God. God the Son taking on the flesh of humanity and coming to dwell with us. And the second thing that I wanted to point out quickly is this. It says that he will save his people from their sins. This was an Old Testament prophet. The promised one of the Old Testament would come. God will send him, and he will redeem his people from their sins. He will forgive them of their sins, and he will make them holy. This was it, right? The, the, the prophet's promises, all of those promises coming to be. The promised one was coming, coming to save God's people. This is what they had waited for. And he was coming to save God's people. And, and, and it was Jesus, Emmanuel, God himself, who was coming to save his people. I think this is, is maybe bigger than we, we imagine it to be and, 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 and more beautiful than we imagine it to be. I, I think maybe we have become so familiar with this story that the idea of God taking on flesh and coming to save his people, uh, it, it, it means little to us. And so I, I want to share with you an example, a picture that God gives us of just what a tremendous thing has happened in the coming of Christ. He gives us an idea of how amazing this is in the story of Hosea. Are you familiar with the story of Hosea? A beautiful, beautiful story. Um, Hosea, Gomer, and, and Israel's darkness. So Hosea was a prophet of God, and he came to God's people about 750 years before the time of Jesus. God sent Hosea to Israel to call Israel, who had, had wandered away from God, who worshipped idols, the idols of other countries, who did not trust or follow God any longer. God sent the prophet Hosea to his people to call them back to himself to call them to repent of their worship of idols and to love and follow him again. Hosea would not only speak to God's people, but Hosea would write all the things that God told him to write. But here is what is incredibly beautiful. More than any of that, Hosea, Hosea's life became a picture for Israel to see. A picture of God and his relationship with Israel and, and, and a picture of, of Israel and their relationship to God. Ultimately, it was a picture of the coming of Jesus. 
Hosea married Gomer. Gomer was the picture of Israel. Hosea was the picture of God himself. Their marriage was this covenant picture of God and Israel. So Hosea's wife, he marries, he marries Gomer. Hosea's wife, Gomer, was an adulterer. And she was a well-known adulterer. Like, it was no secret. Everybody knew this about her. She would leave Hosea more than once. Hosea and their children, she would, would leave them and she would disappear and take up with other men, even marrying another man. Now, this was all God's plan. Listen to Hosea chapter 3. Uh, I'm going to read this from the NIV, which is a little bit different, um, maybe a little bit easier for some younger ears. I don't know. Um, Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. She left her husband. She left her husband more than once, and this time she had left Hosea and her children, and she married another man. Hosea went and found her. He went and sought her and found her, and when he found her, he, he paid the price to get her back. He redeemed her from this other man and redeemed her to himself. Though she had cheated on him and left him and married another man who she was then living with, it, it was Hosea. God is saying, go and show her your love. Pursue her. Pay the price and make her yours again. Hosea was the, the, the picture for Israel of a loving husband. He cared for his wife. He provided for his wife. He made sure that all of her needs were met and all of the needs of their children were met. He was a good father. He loved her. And here, here, God is saying, though she has done all of these things, go show your love to your wife again. You know, ultimately, this was God pursuing Israel. This was God with Israel. God had given Israel a land, and he had, he had blessed them. He had delivered them from their enemies. He had blessed them with all that they needed and more. God had poured out his love and his affection and his kindness and his mercy on Israel. Israel was Gomer, leaving the husband who had loved her so well. God said, Hosea, go find her. Go find her and buy her back. And what he was saying is, this is what I will do with my people. This is what I will do with my people. My people will leave me. My people will leave me. They will not heed my warnings. They will leave. And because of their sins, because of their darkness, their life will be one of sorrow and suffering. But, but, but like you going after Gomer, God is saying, I will come to my people. I will come to my people and I will love them again and I will redeem them from the bed of their sins and I will make them mine again. Now, that is the, 
the super short version, if you will, of Hosea, a, a really hard but a beautiful story. And it's, it's the story of Israel that we see play out in the Old Testament, right? God is warning his people to return to him. They would ignore him. Just, just as Gomer would ignore her husband, they would ignore God, and they would, would wander away from him, and they would, they would ultimately lose the blessing of God. They, they would forget the covenant that they had made with him. They would pursue the gods of other nations. They would pursue the wisdom of those other nations, the protection of those other nations. They would wander further and further and further away from God. Just as God had said in Hosea, their life would become miserable. We talked about this last week. In the darkness of Israel before the coming of Jesus, the nation would be divided into two kingdoms. Enemy nations, one after another, would attack Israel, would invade, take over the land, take all of the blessings of God from the land. The cities would be destroyed. The people would be destroyed. Many of them would be carted off to foreign nations. Everything would change as God's hand largely was lifted from Israel. For 400 years, to make it even worse than that, for 400 years, the prophets would be silent. And so here was, here was Israel who had heard from God and the prophets spoke to God. Now for more than 400 years, there would be silence from God. God would speak no more through the prophets. No more would he, would he call them to turn from their sins. But, even worse than that, neither would he speak of the forgiveness and the love that he wanted to offer them. So Israel was in this darkness. God's blessings removed. God's loving hand of protection removed the blessings of God were re replaced with cursings from God. And it seemed in the silence that God was finished with them. That, that's how it felt. Listen, I, I, I imagine if you are here this morning, you felt that way at some point in your life. That God is silent. And that the darkness is overwhelming. That that's exactly where they were. Silence from God and the darkness was completely overwhelming to them. And the, the questions that they had to have had during that time, questions I, I figure they, they have had because they are questions that I've had in my own darkness. Was it, was it too late? Had God forgotten them? Was he done with them? Forever done? Had they, done, had they done too much, like, like, like finally they had crossed the line? Were they too far gone, and, and, and had they been too bad and too sinful, so bad and so sinful that God was done with them forever? Those are the questions in the silence that we often ask. Have I done too much to ever be loved again? The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to, to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So 
I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. Israel, I will come for you. I will come for you. I will pay the price for your sins. I will, I will redeem you, and I will make you mine once more. In the darkness, in the silence, with all of the questions, that was, that was God's answer to, to Israel. In, in, in their loss, I will come to you. In the darkness, no, I am not done with you. I will come. Now, I share all of that because that's really the context that we have for Matthew chapter 1. That's the darkness, and those are the questions that the nation of Israel had to be asking in that, in that sadness, in that, in that darkness and despair. God, are you done with me? And in the midst of it, the Spirit came to Mary. And she was found to be with a child, though she was a virgin. And Joseph, not knowing of the Spirit's work, was going to, to quietly divorce her. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Finally, finally, the silence was ending. Finally, in, 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 in all that had happened, the darkness was, was lifting. This, this was Israel's answer. I have not forgotten you, God says. He, he would come, and he would take on the flesh of humanity. Emmanuel, God with us. He would come to save his people from their sin. This is the fulfillment even of Hosea's prophecy. I will pay for her sins. I will buy her back. I will make you mine again. Even Israel, as you have chased after other gods, I have come for you. Even, even in the most calloused of your sins, Israel, I have come to you myself. Though you left me, God is saying, I have come. Though you have lived without me, forgotten me, ignored me, I have come. This is good news, isn't it? But there is even, even more good news behind that, at least for me. Like, in answering this question, why did he come? Why, why did he come? I, I, I think this is as beautiful as any of the news, is answering this question, why did he come? We've seen it in Hosea. Hosea 3, again, let me read. The Lord said to me, go show your what? Your love. Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her. 
Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Hosea, you are going to be a picture of Israel for me. Your life is going to be a picture to Israel of me, God says. So I need you to not only go back and buy, buy Gomer back, your wife, the adulterous wife. I need you to not only go and buy her back, as beautiful as that is, I need you to go and to love her like I love Israel. There's a difference there. Hosea, go and show your love to your wife. Though she has sinned, though she is sinning, though she has left you for another, go and show your love for her. Love her like I love Israel. Love. Love is why he came. He didn't come because he had to come. He didn't come because it was the right thing to do. He came because he loves his people. Jesus tells us the same thing during his ministry, a passage we're probably most all of us familiar with. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was trying to understand salvation as a, as a Pharisee, not understanding who Jesus was and what he was doing, really. And, and Jesus says to Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Nicodemus, here is how salvation works. Here is why it is happening the way that it is happening. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This amazes me. What, what, what amazes me the most about this is, is that he, he came not because we are good and beautiful people. We're not. He, he didn't come and redeem the good and beautiful people. It, it, it isn't because we have done so much that he looked out and said, man, they, they are so incredible, I, I need to do something to save them. He didn't look out and, and see all the great and mighty things that we would accomplish in our life and say, man, I want that winner on my team. loves you because he is love he loves he loves you despite you he loves you because he has simply chosen to love you he has looked at you and said you I will pour my love out on Romans 5 verses 6 and 8 says this for while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly that's us ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person would would one would dare even to die but God shows his love for us in that while we were ungodly sinners Christ died for us see we are Gomer 
No matter, no matter how hard we try not to be Gomer, the truth is we are Gomer in this relationship. We are the adulterous wife who has forsaken our gracious God. Though he has been good to us, though he has provided for us abundantly and cared for us, we set our hearts on other people and other things. We long for fulfillment and, and, and comfort, and we seek it from our our idols like Israel. We, we trust in the wisdom of the world. We trust in the, the wisdom of politicians rather than in the truth of God. We seek the riches of the world for the security and the comfort that they offer or maybe the power that is ours when we attain them rather than trust in the God who has promised that he will never leave us and never forsake us and always provide for everything that we need. We have sought to fill the holes of our soul with, with people and things that only he can fill. Some of us, some of us have given no thought to him as, as we have run after all of those things. Uh, others of us have known that we are sinners and we are sinning and, and we are content to continue in our sin and sinning. And yet, this is the beautiful news, right? I, 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 this, the news of who we really are is terrible. But, but the beauty is not, not who we are. The beauty is who God is. In spite of all of that, in spite of our pursuing another husband, in spite of us turning our back on God, he still loves us. And he pursues us. It's not some, some far away, distant love where he just feels sorry for us. He pursues us. And this is the gift of Christmas. The love of God taking on the flesh of humanity in order to win his people, in order to save us from our sins, to bring us to himself, to make us his own. Now I want to share one more passage with you this morning that describes the love that we are talking about in, in God, the love that we're talking about in Christmas, the love that we see illustrated in Hosea. Sometimes, sometimes, I'm going to speak for myself, and I'm just going to assume that some of y'all are the same as me. We, we, we find it easy sometimes to believe that God loves other people. Like, I would never tell anybody God doesn't love you because I believe no matter who you are, no matter what you've done in your life, God loves you. I believe that with all of my heart. But when I look in the mirror, sometimes I wonder, is there any way that he can love me? With all that I've done, with who I am, is there, is there any way that he can love me? I, I'm like Israel sometimes, wandering in the darkness. Have I done too much this time? Is this it? Now, now, now he is turning his back on me, and there is no way possible that he could, could still love me. I've wandered too far. Here is his answer. If, if, if you, like me, have that question and that doubt, 
Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding even now for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate, separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. No tribulation, no distress, no persecution, no famine, not nakedness, not danger, not sword, not death, not life, not angels, not rulers, nothing present, nothing to come, and nothing in our past can separate us from his love. No power, no height, no depth, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is for us nothing. Nothing can stop the unrelenting love that God has for me. Not even me. That's Christmas. Do you get it? That's Christmas. Because God so loved you, and God so loved me, and God so loved the world that he sent his only son to save his people from their sins. Man, this is good news. Friends, you are loved. And I want you to hear me on this. God knows your deepest, darkest secrets God knows your deepest, darkest sins, Gomer. And he loves you so much that he came for you. And Christmas is the proof. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for such amazing grace that is true, truly more than we can grasp. Father, I pray that we would be reminded again and again that Christmas isn't just a story. It's a beautiful picture of the love that you have for us. It is you taking on the flesh of broken humanity to save us even from ourselves. Emmanuel, God with us. We love you.
In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close out this morning, and we do every week at New City with communion. Uh, and at New City, we practice open communion. That means you don't have to be a, a member of New City to participate in communion. You should just be someone who loves Jesus. And if you love Jesus, the table is open for you. Um, take a minute. Um, we're going to sing two songs in closing. Take a minute if you would, and if there's anything that the Holy Spirit has convicted you of this morning that you need to repent of, that means to turn from that, to turn to Him, uh, then do that. Take a minute, um, talk with the Holy Spirit, repent where, where you need to do that, and then come to the table and celebrate the love of God that we're talking about this morning. This is a picture of that love. Emmanuel, God with us. The bread represents his flesh, God in the flesh, God with us. The, the juice represents his blood shed for us. In that we have redemption of sin. We were made children of the Most High God. Come this morning forgiven and free, thankful for the, the glorious, beautiful love of God who came pursuing you. Celebrate that grace. Uh, we have communion packets. We have, it is gluten-free bread. Um, Enjoy it. And juice, if you take the bread, take the bread, dip it in the juice, but celebrate Jesus with us this morning. Stand and sing, and when you're ready, come. We'll have members of our prayer team who will come forward, uh, and they'll be in the back as well wearing a green lanyard. If you would like prayer this morning, they'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to know more about what it means to love and follow Jesus, they would love to talk with you about that as well. Stand. Come when you're ready.